What is up, everybody? This is Adam. Welcome back to Fouled Out. The NFL season is over, unfortunately, but as much as we enjoy talking NFL on the show, uh, I also love to talk NBA. I'm really excited to get into some basketball stuff with Matt here over the next few weeks and then jump into March Madness as well, which is one of my absolute favorite events of the year. Personally, one of my favorite things in my life over the last couple of years is that my nephew Marshall has gotten really into the NBA and loves talking about it with me. It's really reignited my love for the league, which the NBA was my first love with the Sacramento Kings back when I was 10, 11 years old. It's really what got me into sports in the first place. So absolutely one of my favorite leagues to talk about. We're going to have a lot of really good NBA content coming to you guys through the end of the season all the way through the playoffs and maybe a little bit in the off season as well. <clears throat> so Matt is going to be on in a minute. We are going to take a look at what some of the biggest storylines for this last quarter of the NBA season are kind of give you guys a few things to watch for and maybe throw out a couple hot takes. I got, I got some spicy ones stored up because we haven't done a lot of NBA on this podcast this year. So I'm looking forward to it. Let's go. Matt is here. We are going on an adventure together today, jumping into basketball. We feel like we've been talking football for like the last three months. I feel like new listeners are going to be confused now because they probably assumed that this was just a football podcast. Yeah. I mean, as good as we do football on this podcast, which like, I feel like we did a pretty good job this season. I feel like NBA is kind of like our sweet spot. If you go back and listen to like the NBA top 30 with Devin and also like some of the playoff stuff from last year, I kind of feel like yeah, this is this is kind of like our area where we might even be a little bit better. So if you are a new listener and you've been listening to the football stuff and you are also a basketball fan, uh, I advise staying tuned because I think that this is I think it's going to be fun. We're going to do a couple of weeks here of NBA content and then take a little break for March Madness. Uh, and then maybe a little break for Maddox Madness when my son is born, but <laughs> we'll be back to NBA, uh, especially for the playoffs. And uh, if you guys have listened to any of the episodes with Devin before, we're going to have Devin back on at some point as well. Uh, double down Devin. Double down Devin. DJ Devin, the curator of our theme song. It's going to have like 18 nicknames by the time we quit this podcast. He's going to have to join. We're going to be like, all right, joining now is... Double down, DJ Devil Dude Devin. <laughs> lots, lots of face Devin. Yeah, I feel like any episode we do in the future where Devin's on, I'm just going to use that picture that's just like a bunch of his face <laughs> as the cover art for the photo. So if you guys see, it could be. Yeah, if you see cover art pop up on your Apple Podcast or your Spotify or anywhere else you get your podcast where we're available, and it's just like a bunch of Devin's face, that's how you guys will know. Well, let's jump into it. I'm excited to get into NBA content because we, you know, we did our NBA top 30 list early in the season, but we really haven't talked much basketball since then. We just got off the all-star break and there's approximately 24, 25 games left for most teams, uh, unless you are the LA Clippers who have played 60 plus games already, which is crazy. They're like one of only three NBA teams to ever have to play 60 plus before the all-star game. Yeah. So, I mean, just like a little bit over the quarter of a season left. And it's been a really fun season so far, if you've been keeping up with it. 
our idea for today is that we are going to go over what the biggest storylines for the last, you know, 20 to 25 games are in our opinion. So uh, without further ado, let's jump into the first one. The Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers recently completed a trade that sent James Harden to Philadelphia and Ben Simmons to the Brooklyn Nets. So I think the thing that's most interesting here is kind of to see, you know, we haven't seen Ben Simmons play since the playoffs last year and James Harden's been out with an injury. We may not see him for a couple games still. So, I mean, both these teams are going to look drastically different these last 20, 25 games of the season and then going into the playoffs. And it's just interesting to see how, how are both teams going to look? How have their title chances shifted with this trade? And how much does Daryl Morey celebrate after a big win, kind of holding on to Simmons long enough for a lot of people to forget what happened in last year's playoffs and getting really good value for a guy who was not going to play basketball for the 76ers this year. This was way more than I ever imagined him getting for Ben Simmons. And you got to tip the cap to him. Like the man did it. He's was an absolute mad scientist about it, (laughs) but like he got it done. And it's very clear at this point that his only strategy as a GM is go get James Harden. I don't know. It's two kind of, two crazy things about this trade for me. One is that Daryl Morey won. I, my take in the off season was that he should just take the best offer for Ben Simmons. And at the time, my feeling was that it was Malcolm Brogdon. I was wrong. I'll take the L on that. James Harden is obviously a much better player than Malcolm Brogdon. And we, I kind of had this take when the whole thing went down last year is that either one of two things was going to happen. They we're going to like basically trade Ben Simmons for kind of a low ball offer like that. Just the best player they could get, or he was going to hang on to Ben Simmons as long as it took to kind of get away from what happened in last year's playoffs and rehabilitate his value. Like the further we get away from something, the less people think about it. And when that first happened, it was so drastic and his value was so down that they were basically not getting any offers. And Daryl Morey said, I'm going to hold on to this guy until something happens that increases his value. And the thing that happened is that James Harden all of a sudden was not happy in Brooklyn, like kind of out of nowhere. And then Daryl Morey goes out and pulls off this trade, which you really don't see a lot of superstars get traded during the season. And when you do... No, not anymore. And like the stars who have gotten traded recently, like I think LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, like kind of guys that are a little older. Yeah. Um, you know, you typically see this stuff in the offseason. Like Anthony Davis was traded in the offseason. Yeah. And when you do see these trades, it is typically a team that is going to try to rebuild after losing their superstar. So think of like Anthony Davis. The return for him was young players and picks. You yeah. never see two guys that are all-star level players get traded for each other anymore. And like say what you will about Ben Simmons playoff performance last year, but he's been an all-star in the past and an all NBA level defender. And it's like, you don't see someone of his caliber get traded for another superstar anymore. It's kind of like a, it's like a 2k trade. This is something you would see in a video game. Nowadays, the 
whole strategy for most teams is accumulate more stars. And so the idea of moving one star to acquire another star is usually kind of off the table. But this is kind of closer to some of the trades that we've seen in the past. Um, Maybe not necessarily the same, but like you are swapping two stars and throwing in other players and getting other teams involved to make it work. The other kind of crazy thing about the trade too, is that these teams are both potentially contenders in the same conference. Yeah. So like for the Nets to trade Harden to the 76ers who are probably going to be one of their biggest roadblocks to winning a championship. Like even before they had Harden that 76ers were probably going to be, you know, at least a second round team, maybe in the Eastern conference finals. So for you to give them an all-star level player, and then also like, you know, you could say the same kind of vice versa, that the Nets are going to be a thorn in the side of many teams in the East as well. Uh, Especially, you know, Kevin Durant has to get healthy to do that first. But when Kevin Durant comes back, they're going to be a pain in the butt for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So like for these two teams that are both contenders, like swap all-stars, like two teams that are potentially going to see each other in the playoffs this year, I think adds like a whole nother level of drama to these playoffs. Oh, it's, and it's incredibly rare. Like it, something that typically teams actively avoid, but I think both Philadelphia and Brooklyn found themselves in positions where they only had one option. (laughs) Like who out there was going to give Brooklyn value for James Harden that was going to help them win this year. That was also a team that Harden was going to be like, yeah, I'll play. Cause he could have looked at Ben Simmons and been like, Oh, you trade me somewhere that isn't a championship contender. I'm just not going to play. Um, and like we saw all year that, there weren't very many aggressive suitors for Ben Simmons. So when Brooklyn came calling, they didn't really have much of a choice. Although I don't think it took a whole lot of convincing on Daryl Morey's part. No, it was basically a perfect storm (laughs) because uh, the rumor is that Harden basically told the, told Brooklyn that I want to go to the 76ers and you guys can either trade me there now and get something for me, or I will go there this off season. Yeah. So for that to happen, it's like a big boon for Daryl Morey. And that was really like the connecting factor. And right. It's a good thing. The NBA doesn't go after anybody for tampering because I, there's something sketchy is going on behind the scenes with Daryl Morey and James Harden. And, you know, there's no rumors. And then all of a sudden James Harden wants out. And the only place he wants out to is the Philadelphia 76ers. It's a little fishy, but uh, kudos to Morey for getting good value for Simmons, which was an asset that was basically going to give him zero return this year, unless he traded him. Yeah. I mean, I'll eat my crow. I didn't think there was any way this was going to happen. I didn't think there was any way they were going to get like a major piece for him. Here they are. They did it. I mean, to be fair to you too, is like, it it really was like I was saying kind of a perfect storm for this to happen. I think a lot of us yeah. didn't think that they were going to get a superstar like Dame or like James Harden, someone like that back. 
I always thought that the Dame, especially Dame, like that was more media than actual Dame or Portland. Like, I don't think either Dame or Portland were really that interested in that. Harden, I think, was probably thinking about this for a while. Yeah, this is kind of the trade that we thought we were going to get a couple years ago when Harden was still in Houston, is that when he wanted out, it's like, it just makes sense. It's Maury, it's Ben Simmons' value was at an all-time high back then Mm -hmm. as well, too. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is the trade, uh, but obviously the Houston Rockets owner, Tillman Frittata, Frittita Frittata, you say Frittita, I say Frittata, stepped in and said, we're not trading with that guy. Yeah. Just because he was pissed that, you know, they Daryl Morey left and went somewhere else. Uh, so they take the worst, arguably worst package from Brooklyn and also like really botched that trade, by the way. They gave Jared Allen to the Cavaliers for nothing. And yeah. we're going we're gonna to talk about him in a sec, but... Yeah, I mean, we, I guess we thought that James Harden was always going to end up on Philly one way or another, and Brooklyn, I guess, was just a detour for him. I also wonder if part of the reason that he went to – that, like, Brooklyn was the destination for him was that, like, obviously, like, he had played with Kevin Durant before, and, like, it, by all accounts, like, their big three there, like, they were all friends. But at this stage in his career, like – does James Harden play well with others who also need the ball a lot? Um, I kind of feel like he likes pounding the air out of the ball. And what? I don't know that that works as well when you're playing with both Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Another guy who likes to pound the air out of the ball. <laughs> Glad that you said that because I am going to give you a hot take and I'm going to warn you that you're not going to like it. <laughs> That's okay. Are you ready? It's, it's hot take Tuesday on fouled out. Go for it. The Brooklyn Nets won the James Harden, Ben Simmons trade. They did. I think that we're going to look back at this trade two to three years from now and say that the Nets absolutely won this trade. And I'll give you a few reasons why. The first reason, I think kind of the main reason is that I think James Harden is a locker room problem. And I'm not sure what it will take to make James Harden happy. He is the most catered to superstar in all of the NBA outside of LeBron James. I'm really glad you added that qualifier because I was about to jump down your throat there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, I put that in there just for you. I knew. No, he, he really is, though. So, I like I said, most catered to superstar outside of LeBron James in the entire league. And think about his tenure with the Houston Rockets. They trade for him from the Thunder and put him in an offense that's basically like, it's all you. You can do whatever you want. You get the ball every yeah. single play. They bring in Dwight Howard to play with him. And like when they brought in Dwight Howard, he still made an all-star team his first year in Houston. They end up not re-signing Dwight Howard when his contract is up because Dwight Howard and James Harden cannot get along. James Harden basically ran him out of town. A couple of years later, the Houston Rockets trade a bunch of assets for Chris Paul from the Clippers 
in a shocking trade. They bring Chris Paul in. The Houston Rockets have one of the best seasons in the team's history and honestly should have won the finals that year if it wasn't for Chris Paul's hamstring kind of blown out at the end there against the Warriors. Mm-hmm. They, had, they had the Warriors dead to rights with Chris Paul yeah. and had a chance to beat the Warriors without him. So they bring in Chris Paul, and after only two seasons with Chris Paul, James Harden and Chris Paul are not getting along, and so they have to trade Chris Paul in what I think will go down as one of the worst trades we've ever seen, Chris Paul in two first-round picks for Russell Westbrook. And keep in mind that like that very next year, Chris Paul took that Thunder team to the playoffs in shocking fashion. Like everyone thought they were going to be a lottery team. Everyone. Yeah. And so they, they trade that guy, the guy who like, if you look at Chris Paul, every team he goes to is so much better with him on that team. Yeah. So they trade him away because him and, you know, James Harden can't get along with him either. And they bring in Russell Westbrook, who by all accounts was one of James Harden's best friends. Like they were close. James Harden was like, that's the guy I want. Go get him. And Houston not only gave up Chris Paul, but two first to get this guy. So they bring in Russ. They're like, this is it. We got James Harden's best friend. He's going to be happy. He's going to love it. After one season with Russell Westbrook, they have to trade Russell Westbrook to the Wizards for John Wall. Because again, Harden and Westbrook are not getting along. After Houston does all of this, they trade away all these assets to get, you know, they bring in Dwight Howard, they bring in Chris Paul, they bring in Russell Westbrook, all these things to try to make James Harden happy. He goes, "Eh, I'm not happy anymore. I don't want to play in an offense that's not centered around me. You guys got rid of D'Antoni. You got rid of my friend, Daryl Morey. I want out. And when they refused to trade him, he spent every night at the strip club. He dogged it on the court, like, purposely tanked on the court, like to the point where it was absolutely disgusting to watch him in Houston in order to get traded. So what is, what happens? He gets his wish. He gets traded to the Brooklyn nets to go play with his good friend, Kevin Durant. Oh, I have really good friends with Durant. And again, one season later is asking management if he can get out and be traded to somewhere else. I want to go to Philadelphia now. So what does he want? He, he's gotten to play with his friends, which is like a big thing in the NBA now is everybody wants to play with their friends. He played with his best friend, Russell Westbrook. He played with his good friend, Kevin Durant. Didn't like that. He played on championship contenders with Chris Paul, who was driving that team to a championship. He played in Brooklyn that could have won a championship last year if James Harden or Kyrie Irving could have stayed healthy. So he's been on multiple championship contending situations. He's played with all the friends he's wanted to play with, and he's gotten his way every single time that he's whined. And it's two years with this guy, one year with this guy, one guy, one year in this situation, wine, 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 wine. And now he's wind his way to Philadelphia and he's going to play with Joel Embiid. And if you look back at like the Ben Simmons situation and really what started Ben Simmons wanting to not play for the Philadelphia 76ers, it's that the coach of the 76ers and the best player on the Philadelphia 76ers threw him under the bus after he choked in the playoffs. Matt, what is James Harden known for? (coughs) What? 
James Harden is one of the biggest playoff chokers we have ever seen in the NBA. He's abysmal in game sevens and clutch situations. I honestly, like, what do you think James Harden's going to do if Joel Embiid and Doc Rivers throw him under the bus like they chucked Ben Simmons under the bus? He's going to whine his way out of this situation yeah. too. I honestly, at this point, would you offer James Harden a max contract? He's a free agent this summer. Would you want him on your team? I personally don't think that I would use that space, that cap space on him. But I could see why a team in a certain situation would. Now, will it pay off? Honestly, I don't think so. I don't think that he elevates your team the way that a player of his skill and pay grade should. I think he elevates them in how many games you win in the regular season. I think he can help other guys put up some points over the course of the season. And I think he can certainly get you out of the first round of the playoffs, but if your end goal is to win an NBA championship, when has he put up a performance where you're like, man, like, yeah, there's nothing else he could have done. I have given LeBron a lot of shit rightfully over the years, but I still remember that NBA finals where he was putting up like, something like close to like 40 points per game and like was averaging close to a triple double in the NBA finals and still lost. But every time that James Harden gets eliminated from the playoffs, he's either not on the floor or he himself in his performance is coming up short. I'm not going to go so far as to say like, Hey, Winning and losing, that's all on you. There's always context. But the context around him is he never has his best when his team needs him at his best. And I think that says a lot because we know whether it's football or basketball, like when it comes to the playoffs, the defense is a lot more focused. They know what you do and they try to take away the easy stuff. And if you are not able to do your best in the playoffs, I think that is incredibly indicative of where you stand as a player in this league. I mean, I guess the good thing for him in Philadelphia is that he does not have to be Batman in the playoffs. He's going to get to be Robin Joe yeah. Embiid likely going to be the MVP this year. And he's an absolute beast who nobody has an answer for. But the other reason I kind of think that the Nets won this trade is that just the fit of James Harden with these two teams is not ideal. Like, I think Seth Curry was actually a really good fit with Joel Embiid because it gives him kind of a, a spot up shooter out there. Like, for all the things that James Harden is going to allow the Philadelphia 76ers to do, like in the pick and roll game, he is not a spot up shooter. 
he is a guy who, when he does not have the ball, he likes to take plays off and kind of like walk around. So like if he's thrown it to him, beat in the post, is he going to relocate and spot up? And like outside of him, you just traded away your best shooter in Seth Curry. So you now have like the rest of your starting lineup is Tyrese Maxey, uh, Matisse Thibel and Tobias Harris. Like, I think you actually have less shooting around Embiid now. And I kind mm-hmm. of would have liked them to have more shooting around Embiid. You know, you're not getting that with Ben Simmons. If Ben Simmons did come back, no. but I kind of would have liked to see them trade him for more shooting. I'm not going to go so far as to say like, yes, I agree with your hot take because I think Ben Simmons coming back to playing basketball still has a lot to prove. Uh, I think that's incredibly fair to say. But one of the reasons that I'm inclined to potentially agree with this take is the giving up of Seth Curry. I think that this, this is a massive loss with Ben Simmons not playing for them all year, there was a chasm in their backcourt. And Seth Curry has absolutely stepped up. He has played at a significantly higher level than he has ever played before over an extended period of time. And I think two or three years ago, if anyone were told that he was going to play at the level that he has this year, everyone would have just laughed. Again, the end goal for this team is an NBA championship. Over the last few years, like when they've been in the playoffs, like Seth Curry's made a lot of, a lot of big shots for them. And I think with someone like Harden coming in who has not, had a great history of performing the playoffs, losing someone who has stepped up for you numerous times in the playoffs might be an unnecessary loss because I don't know that they necessarily had to lose him in that trade. I don't know how you get it done, but I I don't know if it was necessary. Yeah, I guess that was the rumor, though, is that the sticking point was that Brooklyn wanted Curry involved and the the 76ers didn't. So, I mean, yeah, you look at the stats right now. Brooklyn actually not as good at shooting three-pointers as you would think they are. Uh, They are 24th in three-pointers made per game this season. Mm -hmm. Philadelphia is 28th, even with Seth Curry on their team the entire season. I guess in fairness to Brooklyn, like, Durant has definitely missed some time. Kyrie has absolutely missed some time. Uh, per his own choice. Want to throw that out there. Two of your big shot makers missing a lot of time. Like, oh. that's going to... Joe Harris just... has been out, too. Yeah, Joe Harris. Like Another good three-point shooter. Yeah, they, they've been missing a lot of their pieces. Um I don't think it's necessarily indicative of where that roster is at in terms of shooting. I think a lot of it is just a matter of getting their people on the floor. Um, My major questions 
about them after this trade is what role is Ben Simmons going to play? Um, I think that it can be a huge positive for them on the defensive side with the combined length of Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons. I think that can cause a lot of problems. I have questions about the offensive role that Ben Simmons is going to play. And I could see it potentially being problematic if they ask him to step outside of what he really excels at. Yeah. This was the other thing I was going to say regarding fit for these two teams is that I actually think that Brooklyn is kind of the perfect team for Ben Simmons to go to because he does not have to be the best player on the team. He doesn't have to be the second best player on the team. He may not even have to be the third best player on this team. Honestly, I think what they're going to do. And I think what I would like to see them do with him is just to put him in a role that accentuates his strengths. So Mm -hmm. like on the defensive end, he can guard, I don't know, one through four. He's going to guard probably the best player on the other team in most playoff series. So that Kevin Durant Mm -hmm. doesn't have to. And then offensively, like, I just want to see him push tempo, get out in the fast break, and then kind of be a distributor for some of these shooters. Like, I think you can see a lineup that's like Kyrie Irving, Patty Mills, or Seth Curry, Kevin Durant, Joe Harris, and Ben Simmons. Like, surround Ben Simmons with shooters in some of these lineups. And he's not going to have to take any shots in the playoffs, really. Like, he's not going to have to take any important shots because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are going to take all of those. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing with Kyrie Irving. First of all, whether or not you want Kyrie Irving taking that many shots in the playoffs is questionable. Yes. (laughs) Also, keep in mind, any home games they have, they don't have Kyrie Irving. And that's like, that's the biggest question for me is I don't hate this if Kevin Durant steps into a little bit more of a point forward role because he's talented enough to just do it and make it work. Um, Not saying that Patty Mills can't step in and, uh, you know, play some point guard for them for extended minutes, but I don't think you want that to be the primary ball handler for you for a series and I think that Kevin Durant threatens defenses a lot more as the primary ball handler as opposed to Patty Mills personally yeah well I I don't think that's too hot of a take but I think this team actually like throwing it out there (laughs) with Irving Harden and Durant it was a lot of my turn now it's your turn now it's my turn again now it's your turn like a lot of isolation from three different guys And they're still going to have some of that with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. But you look at like how the rosters kind of reshaped since this trade. And also they picked up Goran Dragic the other day who, yeah, he hasn't played in a while, but we've seen what he can do in the playoffs with the Miami heat. So now you have Patty Mills, Goran Dragic, Kyrie Irving, Seth Curry are kind of your guards uh, along with Ben Simmons in some capacity. And then maybe Kevin Durant, in a point forward role. I and, totally like, I, I think it's hilarious that we had that whole conversation about 
losing Seth Curry in Philly, and then I forgot that they acquired. Yeah, Seth Curry's on the team. Uh, <laughs> so I think you actually have a lot of guys now who can kind of space yeah. the floor, move the ball. I I like where it's yeah. going. I actually feel better about that thinking about Seth Curry in the mix. Yeah. I will also yeah. say, and you're going to laugh at me for this because this is someone I've traditionally been down on. I kind of like that they got Andre Drummond. What? I kind of, I kind of do. I don't like. Why? Oh, okay. So I hate Andre Drummond for the amount of money that he's gotten paid in the past. And my take has always been that if you're paying Andre Drummond $20 million, that you can't win a championship. But just having him on a lower contract where you can put him out there for like 15 to 20 minutes a game, grab you some rebounds, be like a bigger body. I don't hate that because they don't have a lot of depth in the front court. It depends on what Andre Drummond you're getting. Andre Drummond can be the most dominant rebounder the NBA has ever seen. Like the man has an absolutely insane level of talent for that. However, one area that is not a strong suit for him is effort. And that's why he has not been a strong defender over the course of his career. He'll, you know, get a few steals and assists and it'll look pretty on his averages. But like, I watched him for a long time. He's not a good defender. Very limited offensive game. Where his value is, is rebounding. And if he's not giving you 100%, that 15 minutes he's out on the floor, you can find someone that's going to give you more effort for those 15 minutes. And they might rack up less rebounds, but they'll give you more in a dogfight. Yeah. And to be clear, I don't want him out there in the important minutes of any game. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) But through, I mean, and it's an extremely, extremely small sample size, but he's played three games with Brooklyn so far. And like, granted, it's without Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, but right. he's playing 21 minutes a game and averaging 12 rebounds. The rebounding is like really what they need. So if they can get him to put in some effort, I think it's a high upside piece in a trade where like really what you're trading for is Ben Simmons and Seth Curry. And it's like, we get this guy thrown in who also kind of fills a need for them. Yeah, no, that's the thing that's always driven me insane about Andre Drummond is that, like, he's not a high-effort guy, and yet he still racks up so many rebounds. Like, the dude legitimately could have averaged, like, 20 rebounds per game in his career if he had been balls to the wall the entire time. He probably still could. He's still a great rebounder. Uh, The last thing, and then I want to go on to the next topic because I, I got a lot to say on that, too. The other reason that Brooklyn is kind of the perfect place for Ben Simmons is that nobody gives a shit about the Nets. Yeah. Honestly, like, are there Nets fans? I think the majority of people in uh, in New York are Knicks and Yankees and Giants. This is the the Nets are the Mets. Nets and Mets. It even rhymes. The Nets are the Mets. They're the Jets. Mets, Mets, Jets. It's kind of perfect. It's a noisy thing. <laughs> They're still, I mean, they are still the New Jersey team. They're a team from across the pond. The people in New York do not give a shit. They're basically the Clippers. So it's kind of perfect because if they phase out, like they fizzle out of the playoffs, eh, 
Big deal. Who cares? He's not going to get criticized like he did in Philadelphia. Yeah. So sorry, Nets fans, but I, all seven of you that I offended, I'm sorry. <laughs> so on to uh, the next topic. The other kind of big thing that's hanging over the NBA right now is the status of the LA Lakers. You know, we talked about the big trade that happened at the deadline. We're not going to talk about the other big trade that happened at the deadline. Tyrese Halliburton for Sabonis, because I will cry. You know, we made that trade and now we're actually further out of the play-in game. Yep. Hurts. Uh, But a couple teams made big trades at the trade deadline. One team that was notably absent from the trade deadline is the LA Lakers and their GM, LeBron James. (laughs) They currently sit at ninth. I did that for you. They are currently ninth in the West with a record of 27 and 31 with only 24 games remaining. And they're kind of in an untenable position. The pieces that are on their team right now are not that of a championship contender. They do not have much of a route to get better because they traded all of their young assets and picks for Anthony Davis and then kind of what they had left for Russell Westbrook. And they already have $147 million committed to next year assuming that Russell Westbrook picks up his $47 million option. Can't imagine why he wouldn't. Uh, Spoiler alert. Russell Westbrook's going to pick up that $47 million option. You know what? I don't need $47 million. I'm just going to let it go. The Lakers have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Guess who the highest paid player on the Lakers is this season and next season. It's... It's not LeBron James or Anthony Davis. It is Russell Westbrook. Yeah. So it's a tough spot for them. They don't have a lot of options to get better. They shopped Taylor Horton Tucker and their 2027 first uh, to really no avail. Not didn't really seem to be a lot of buyers Mm -hmm. for that. And then they kind of came out and said, Hey, we're going to wait until this off season when we can give you Taylor Horton Tucker, the 2027 first and the 2029 first, which I, I mean, I don't know who's biting on that. I don't know what value they're getting that makes them a championship contender this offseason so, for that. Can you explain to me the value of Taylor Horton Tucker? He's a guy. It's like, I don't, I don't understand why he's being thrown around in like mock trades as like this big trade piece. There was an article, like, I think when LeBron traded everybody else that was on the Lakers, (laughs) there was an article that came out where he basically said, like, yeah, we just didn't want to give up Taylor Horton Tucker. He's, that's my guy. He's going to be good. He, I think Taylor Horton Tucker was, like, really good in a preseason game two years ago, and that's kind of where his trade value comes from, is they're like, well, he had 30 in a preseason game once. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't want to, like, shit on Taylor like uh, he's a guy like he's he made it to the NBA he's in the one percent of the one percent and obviously he's very talented but like among his peers like okay Taylor Horton Tucker not not gonna be the centerpiece of a deal that's gonna get you Jeremy Grant sorry guys like, like he's young I don't I don't I don't hate Taylor Horton Tucker either I just no, like he can be a part of a piece of a deal. I just don't think he's like the centerpiece of like a 
big deal. Yeah, I guess that's more my point is just like, what are you getting for Taylor Horton Tucker and two future first that's really going to take this team that's four games under 500 from kind of middling to being a championship team next season? I don't I don't really see yeah. it. But I think they really I think the problem with the Lakers is that they kind of committed two cardinal sins. The first is that I think that they looked at it and said, you know, we're really good with two superstars. Let's get three superstars. And Russ was kind of like the closest approximation to a star player that they could get for what they were giving away. And I just I think that teams are just better with two superstars and then filling out the rest of that cap space with role players. Like I, my contention has always been that the Miami, the Miami heat would have been better without Chris Bosh. And like, there's nothing against Chris Bosh. I love Bosh. He's a great player, but I think if you have LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and surround them with more depth and more shooting, that that's a better team. I I'm going to push back on that just because of the level of respect I have for Chris Bosh as a player. Um, I think, out of those three stars, he contributed astonishingly more than either of the other two to the team in ways that don't show up on stat sheets. Yeah, and I have nothing against Chris Bosch. Like I said, I love Chris Bosch. Right. I just think that when you have the third superstar, he gets marginalized. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I'm like, not saying... And also that, like, when that team was put together, they had a lot of aging but very good players that were like, yeah, I'll just take the vet minimum. So, like, it didn't really hurt them to have his salary. So I don't feel like bringing in Chris Bosh hurt them in any way at all. It was a peculiar situation. I mean, Chris Bosh, you look at like his stats for those years he was in Miami. He is a much better player than those stats showed because he was a little marginalized yeah. with those other two guys. Uh, maybe a better example we can agree on is Kevin Love in Cleveland, where Cleveland yep. may have been better off having Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, and then having more depth and more like shooters and guys like that around because he's another dude who was very good at his first stop and then marginalized when he played with two other stars. Um, but I I mean, I think there's numerous examples throughout history. I I think two and having more cap space and more depth and more guys is where I'd rather be. Uh, And I think the Lakers are actually a perfect example of this this year because they were much better the last two years when they had LeBron and Davis and more good guys around them than when they consolidated some of those guys and turned them into Russell Westbrook. Uh, I mean, part of the mistake is that it was Russ. He doesn't really fit with LeBron or most teams. Yeah. But I mean, if they had done the buddy <laughs> trade instead, like I think they it would, it yeah. would be better slightly if they did the buddy trade, but I also don't think that having buddy on this team instead of Russ makes them that much better. Yeah. And like, I'm assuming Bradley Beal probably was not available. Like, but there's been talks about Bradley Beal trades for years. How much different do you think the price tag on Bradley Beal was compared to Russell Westbrook? If you have a smart GM, I would say astronomically higher. Right, but 
GMs of flashy cities usually aren't very smart. So. Yeah, I was going to say, GM of Washington, maybe not that much higher. But if it was me, my price tag on Beal would be something the Lakers couldn't afford unless they wanted to give right. Anthony Davis. I think it's very fair to say that not only was Russell Westbrook not a good fit for them, but it didn't address any of their needs, really, and might have even exacerbated areas that they were not very strong in to begin with. Yeah, I think the addition of Russell Westbrook just shows a general lack of understanding by the Lakers and LeBron James about what made the team good the last couple of years. The thing that made the Lakers really good the last couple of years is that they had a lot of good wing defenders and that their defense was one of the best defenses in the league. Yeah. So we talked about this during our NBA Top 30 Players podcast. The Lakers currently sit at 26 in points allowed per game. They've been in the top three each of the last two seasons. Yeah. And so you take all these guys, like, I mean, Kuzma has been a lot better in Washington in an extended role. Like, don't get me wrong, but yeah, even with the Lakers, like, so Kuzma, KCP, Alex Caruso, all good wing defenders in their own right in maybe a little bit more limited role. Right. You take all those guys and all of them are now, you know, you traded two of them for Russ along with Montrezl Harrell. And then you let the other one go because you didn't want to re-sign him, which like, honestly, if, if we're not matching Alex, Alex Caruso getting $36 million over four years, like what the fuck are we even doing? <laughs> like, he's a great backup guard and wing defender. Like he's getting paid $9 million a year to play in Chicago. The Lakers didn't want to match that. Especially after like all the memes we saw come out after that signing of him, like turning into Jordan. You could have prevented that. You could have, you could have kept that off the internet. That's, that's on you, LeBron. It's LeBron's fault. But yeah, I mean, that, that was kind of the strength of your team. And now you've, you gave away what was the strength of your team to bring in a guy who doesn't have the same, doesn't really like fill the same spots and doesn't really fill the same needs. And now you kind of have no wing defense or very little wing defense. Yep. And Russ is not super additive to this team at his point in his career. This is not the team that you want to put around Russ. No. And Russ, I think Russ is best served by being surrounded by supreme shooters and like rim finishers kind of being the number one guy. Um, well, now he's the number three guy. It's not all that much shooting around him. Some would call it poor. I am one of them, by the way. Hello. <laughs> uh, and he's not a particularly good f- defender. Uh, again, like much like Drummond, he'll get a few steals and make it look pretty on the stat sheet. But like, honestly, the number of buckets that he'll give up by being a poor defender far outweigh that. And I've said this so many times over the years, I feel like a broken record. I'm sure you know what I'm about to say, but he plays so fast with the ball. It's one of the things that I love about him is like, it's all effort all the time when he's got the ball in his hands, but 
he plays so fast with the ball that like it makes him make bad decisions in terms of where the ball's going, make bad decisions on when to shoot the ball. And even when he's taking a good shot, he's playing so fast that like he almost can't get his body in proper position for him to like take a good rhythm shot. And I think that's a big part of why he's not a consistent shooter. I just, I don't, I don't understand what they saw other than something shiny. I kind of think what they thought was that they're like, okay, LeBron needs to be able to rest a little bit more. So maybe we bring in like another quote unquote star level player who can take some of those minutes and kind of run the offense. And I, I, I I think that's like the pattern there, but I think it's really poor execution on their part. I actually think that if you look at some of their other signings this off season, like I think the Malik Monk signing was really good and he's been really good for them. I like that. Yeah. They could have got him. They could have kept Kuzma and KCP and Caruso and still got Monk because he signed like a minimum level deal or like a very low level deal. And I think that if you bring all of those guys back onto this team and add Monk and, you know, maybe some other like cheaper pieces and maybe some buyout guys that I think this team's a lot more dangerous in the playoffs than they're going to be, you know, I, and I also like, it's just, it's kind of crazy to me. It's just like a lot of the arguments been, well, we have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. If Anthony Davis was healthy, we would have beat the Suns last year. We're still dangerous in the playoffs. If you really thought that, why did you not just run it back? Like if you thought you could win the championship, last year, why would you not bring back the same squad and then try to add in ways like adding Malik Monk? Like if Malik Monk was on last year's team, I think they would have been a lot better. So yeah. Yeah. It's tough spot for the Lakers. One of the NBA's premier franchises. Um, I don't know what they do. I love every part of it. But, but, but Matt. Yeah. I, so I think that's an interesting storyline to keep an eye on. It's kind of like, where do they finish? Are they in the play-in game? Do they even make it through the play-ins to get to the playoffs? And if they don't, what does that mean for LeBron's legacy? From one of the biggest market NBA teams to some of the smaller market teams that have stolen our hearts this season. Yeah. Two of the teams that both of us have enjoyed the most this season are the Memphis Grizzlies and the Cleveland Cavaliers, both of whom are in the top three in the standings currently in their respective conferences. Uh, two smaller market teams that I think a lot of people would argue are fun because they were built quote unquote, the right way where it's through the draft and it's smaller signing, smaller trades. This isn't like a super team that came together overnight in either case. Uh, It's just been smart GMing by both GMs. Like we talked about earlier, Cleveland able to pull Jared Allen from the Houston Rockets in that trade and how great Jared Allen has been in Cleveland this season. Does he even have... Any kind of competition for most improved player of the year, in your opinion? I think he should be. Uh, I think, honestly, like the two most improved players should be like Jared Allen and Darius Garland, part of what's made this team so great. Right. Uh, I think John Morant's I, probably going to win it, though. I guess, but like, Jaw was already great. He was already really good. I know. But I that's feel like the. That's, uh, I feel yeah, like that's such a cop out. But I feel like Jared Allen has clearly made the biggest jump. 
And if if nothing else, he should get the the award as like recognition for how much everyone has slept on him. <laughs> yeah, can I tell you something really insane that uh, is going on right now? Go for it. To this point in the season, Jared Allen is fifth in win shares. The four players ahead of Jared Allen and win shares are Jokic, Antetokounmpo, Chris Paul, and Joel Embiid. And then Jared Allen, and that's total win shares. He's also like seventh in offensive win shares, and he's, I think, in the top 10 in defensive win shares as well, obviously. The advanced stats are awesome on him this season, and I think you see it in Cleveland's record. Also, over the All-Star break, I don't know if you saw this, but during the All-Star game in the fourth quarter, they had him out on the floor guarding Joel Embiid. Which I think says a lot that you have like the yeah. best players in the world on your team and you choose like you're like, all For right, sure. Jared Allen, go out there and get him. Yeah. Um, not that like I'm trying to say that like suddenly he's like a top ten player or anything, but um like he's he's obviously performing at a significantly higher level than he ever has before. Um and to the rest of his team's credit, like I think that some of this has also been a product of like Garland has played better and the addition of Mobley uh, opens things up. I he's never played with anyone like him before because um, there's not many people like him. I, if you go back to old episodes, that was one of my dudes, but like at the end of the day, only one player can be responsible for how said player plays. And Jared Allen did the work. Give that man the award now. Just now. I love Jared Allen. I think if you're the Houston Rockets, you're probably kicking yourself right now for letting him go. The Houston Rockets could have had Jared Allen and Karis LeVert with like <laughs> Jalen Green and Christian Wood, but they didn't want him. Did it make any Oof. sense? Uh, but my question on these two teams, we'll, it will dig more into these teams in later episodes because one of the things we really like to do on this podcast is show some of the small market teams that don't get the national shine some love. For sure. But one question for you before we log off, do you think that either of these teams is a legitimate championship contender this season? How are we defining that? Are we saying like we legitimately think they – will or that they could let's say could i will say yes because this time last year i would not have given the bucks a shot in hell at winning the championship they did not look like they could have done it i don't think that either of these teams is ready uh, I think they're both just a little bit too young, a little bit too raw, but that could also play to their benefit in the playoffs. Um, like, yeah, they've teams are going to focus in on what they've seen over the course of the playoffs, but like, these are a lot of real young players and especially in the case of the Cavaliers, there's 
significant new additions. So there's not quite as much tape on them as say like the Sixers for, you know, they've had a fairly consistent roster up until that trade over the last like three years or so. It's a lot of tape on that. Sometimes you just catch lightning in a bottle. And I think that's possible for them. They're talented enough. John Morant is talented enough and able to take over games in and of itself for the Grizzlies that I will put nothing past that man. He is playing at an absolutely insane level. Yeah, and we saw John Morant do it in the playoffs last year too, averaging 30.2 points per game through five games. Uh, But my answer to whether these teams are contenders or not is no. I just think like not this season. I think in the NBA playoffs, you need to have one of the top five guys in the league to win the championship. History has shown us from the last 10 seasons that if you don't have like a LeBron, a Kevin Durant, a Seth or Steph Curry or a Kawhi Leonard, that you are not going to win the championship because those are the guys that have gotten it done. Uh, you know, 11 years ago, Dirk led the upset over the Miami heat. And I think you could argue that he was playing like a top three player at the time, but over the last 10 seasons, it's been top five, top three guys uh, culminating in Giannis who has, you know, multiple MVPs and played like the best player in the league in the championship last season. I think that Cleveland and Memphis have those guys going forward, maybe in Evan Mobley and John Morant. I just don't think that they're those guys this year, just not quite yet. So my counterpoint to that was that even heading into the playoffs last year, like, yeah, everyone knew how, how talented Giannis was and all that, but no one was giving them a chance because of how they were playing throughout the year, how we had seen them play in the playoffs. It really was a matter of getting hot at the right time and just sheer force of will. And while I don't think that either of these two teams are ready, I think we're kind of somewhat in the same boat there. I would say that there is a less than a more than zero chance that it happens. Um, I don't expect it, but if John Morant just dominated and took over it, I wouldn't blink. Definitely would not be the most shocking thing ever. I just, I think that you need that top five guy. And I think Morant can get there. And maybe Evan Mobley can get there someday. I just I just don't know if they're there yet. So, like, could they win a championship if everything broke right for them? And we saw, like, injuries like what we saw last year? Yeah. Right. Sure. But yeah. will they? I don't think this season, unfortunately. I would yeah, love to see it. it. I'll, I'll root for them, but I just don't think yeah. it's happening this year. I mean, there's there's other factors, too. Like, what, what Jaron Jackson do you get? You know, stuff like that. If you... If he's playing at his peak, I feel bad for any team that is trying to guard him and 
John Morant at the same time. <laughs> I know. I know. So keep an eye on them for the rest of the season because they are two really fun young teams that have come a long way in a short period of time and really built the right way. And, uh, yeah. you know, we'll do, we'll do more in depth on them soon, but, uh, unfortunately we are out of time for today. So, yeah. And if, if you can't tell from my more recent comments, I feel more strongly about Memphis than I do. Cleveland. But. Yeah. I agree. Memphis has a better chance because John ja Morant is like closer to being that dude. He's, so he's up there. Yep. But as always, Fouled Out can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Overcast, anywhere you get your podcasts. You can hit us up on Twitter at Fouled Out Sports. You can find Matt at Twitter on Twitter at Matador underscore defense. And you can also see our videos on TikTok at Fouled Out Podcast. I, I think that this episode is going to make quite a bit of content for TikTok in the video realm. And besides that, that's it. Uh, Hope you guys enjoy. There's a lot of good NBA games on this uh, this week, starting on Thursday. The uh, NHL is in full swing, and then college basketball is kind of winding down towards March Madness as well, which is one of my all-time favorite events every year. So uh, check out all the games. Thank you guys for listening. Yeah. Also, uh, I appreciate you taking shots at Andrew Yang for... <laughs> For his LeBron comments. It's, he wrong. <laughs> it's too extreme. It's too, too extreme. extreme. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, go check out my uh my Twitter at fouled out sports. Yes. I yeah, I gave Andrew Yang the business. Sorry to the Yang gang. I'm probably gonna get jumped, but all right, my friend. I will see you soon. Later. Bye, Robert. Right. Bye guys. Bye, Bye. mom. <laughs>